Joshua 1 verse 9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. God will be with you and will never forsake you. My Small Group Bible Study exchanges scriptures at Christmas time, and in December of 2013, I received this verse. I love the scripture, but had no idea how important it would become in the coming months. About three weeks later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I had put the scripture in my purse after receiving it and now pulled it out and read it every day and especially before doctor's appointments. They were pretty sure that I had cancer when I had the mammogram. A few days later, I had a biopsy and decided to focus on this scripture during the procedure. I literally saw Jesus surrounded by lambs in the room and it brought me great peace. Throughout all the tests, surgery, treatments, and terrifying uncertainty, this verse sustained me and helped me to move forward every day. I began to look for God and His daily messages as each day passed, and every day He sent me a message or something of beauty. I felt God's presence everywhere I went and His loving arms. This passage continues to uplift me and keep me focused on Him, even through some additional health challenges. And I continue to look for Him and find Him every day. Well, good morning once again to those of you in person, those of you joining us online. Thank you for doing that. It's good to have you as part of our community I want to start by asking you a question. What scares you? What scares you? Spiders, yes, obviously. That's a given. My wife and I were watching a movie last night. We rarely watch movies anymore because we have children. You know how that works? Remember all the fun you had before? Anyway, um, watching a movie right at this one key scene, literally right at this moment where there's going to be this big reveal, one of those giant house spiders... All of a sudden, right there, boom, my wife, I didn't know, could fly. <laughs> she flew to the other side. It was amazing. It was, so spiders, that's a given, spiders. Uh, um, what, what, uh, heights, clowns, a little weird. Ocean is something that scares me, actually. I, I love lying in the sand near the ocean. Right? I just kind of, I grew up in California, so that's kind of, I love that sort of thing. But getting into the ocean... That's the part that always scared me because of all the other things that live in the ocean. Maybe you saw that video clip recently of the, the shark attacking the surfer, and he comes out with just a scratch, which is incredible. But, but he's, just, he's standing there in the water, smiling with his surfboard, and then you see a fin, and then you see him go under, and that happens every day at every beach around the entire world. <laughs> Don't go in the ocean. That's the lesson for today. Bigger things. What about bigger things? Fear of failure. Fear of being alone. The fear of being in a relationship that is not working. That it feels so broken, it's not going to get fixed. Fear of death. What are you afraid of? What scares you? Now let me ask you a different question. Where do you wish you had more courage? Where in life do you wish you had more courage? You'd be more bold, more brave. 
It, it seems like the same question, but it's not. It's, it's a little different, and that little difference can make a big difference. I'll give you an example. Did you know that a watermelon is 94% water, and a cloud is 97% water? That means a watermelon missed becoming a cloud <laughs> by just 3%. It's kind of tragic if you think about it, right? <laughs> I'm sure there's other, you know, science involved, whatever. It doesn't matter. The point is, this very slight difference can make a big difference. So where do you wish you had more courage is the question. Because that really gets to the heart of the matter. It gets us away from just the spiders and the clowns and the, and the ocean. It gets us to the, the deep stuff. Because, yeah, you might be scared of bees, and understandably so. Those things are fierce. But it doesn't mean you want to overcome that fear and, and, and just work to be courageous and, and finally become a beekeeper. That, that, that might not be your passion. So this question gets to the heart of the matter. Do you wish you would just go ahead and ask her out? Ask him out? Do you wish you would be more brave and break things off? Do you wish you'd stop avoiding that difficult conversation with your children? Do you wish you'd stop running to that particular form of numbing out? Do you wish you could stop worrying so much, eating so much, spending so much? Do you wish you just took more risks? Do you wish that you weren't such a control freak trying to get all the details just right all the time? This is when you can nudge your spouse. It's fine. It's a safe space. Do you wish you were just a little bit more responsible? Kind of the other side of the scale. Took some responsibility for your life. Stop just drifting, but actually leaned into those strengths that you have. Do you wish you'd finally go after that dream that you've, you've thought about your entire life? Maybe you've taken little steps toward, but never really done it. Do you wish you were just a bit more brave to do that? Do you ever wish you could actually just trust God? Just trust that he was good? that he would do what he says he would do? Where do you wish you had more courage? It's an important question because it, it helps us identify the real fear in our lives. It helps us kind of point to what's, what's really keeping us from being all that we're intended to be. What kind of fear is keeping us from that? That's what fear's goal is, after all. Fear's goal is to really keep us from being all that God intends for us to be. And fear, as I've observed it, as I've experienced it, and maybe you can relate to this, fear typically comes in one of two forms. The first is the fear of what others think of you. The fear of what others think of you. How many decisions do we make? How many choices do we make where we are so concerned about what so-and-so might think or we're trying to manage the situation somehow and, and, and perceive their perceptions and it gets all misperceived? And it's like, here's the irony is that we spend all our energy trying to please people who are not thinking of you at all. They're thinking about themselves and the people they're trying to please. They're not thinking about you. They're not thinking about me. The fear of what others think. Do you have it all together enough? Do you look good enough? Is this car new enough? Do I live in the okay enough neighborhood? 
We spend all this energy trying to please others. The fear of what others think can certainly steer us. It can even become paralyzing. The second form of fear is this, the fear that we don't have what it takes. We do not have what it takes. We're not good enough. We're not strong enough. We're not smart enough. We're not attractive enough. We don't have the resources we need to accomplish our goals. We don't have all the relational connections. We don't have the, the financial ability. And here's what's funny about this one is there is some truth to it. You don't have what it takes, not everything that it takes. That's hard for us as 21st century Americans to accept that we need each other, that we need God, and we have this assumption that we're not supposed to need. We shouldn't have to. We still get tripped up on this fear that we don't have what it takes because we assume we're supposed to have what it takes. Fear's ultimate goal, whether it's the fear of what others think or the fear that you don't have what it takes, the fear's ultimate goal is to keep you from living as though God were truly as good as he says he is. Fear's ultimate goal is to keep you from living as though God was not as good as he says he is. To trust your own devices, your own insight, your own strength over his. That's fear's goal. To depend on yourself, not on God. In the scripture that we heard, read, we find Joshua in Joshua 1 about to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. This is the promised land that they've been hearing about for a long time. An entire generation of Israelites has now passed away. Moses has just died. And Joshua, who was Moses' protege, is about to be installed as the leader of this entire people as they go into the promised land. And we can kind of put ourselves in Joshua's shoes and feel a bit of what he's been feeling. He knows the challenges that lie ahead. It's because God has said, I'm going to give you this land, this land flowing with milk and honey. He's also said, you are to take possession of it. Which means they're going to have battles to fight. They're going to have to learn new ways of governing themselves now that they're staying put in one region. All these tribes that sort of could make things work because they just kind of kept moving, they're going to have to figure out how to live together. Joshua knows the challenges that are coming, the enemies they're going to have to take out. New ways of living. He knows how fickle the people are. He saw that with Moses. They're going to be super excited to get into the promised land, and then for about six minutes, it's going to be great. And then minute number seven is going to, everything's going to start unraveling, and we're going to keep being the broken people we are. He knows they'll turn on each other, they'll turn on God, they'll turn on him. And so we can imagine that Joshua is afraid. We can imagine that Joshua is afraid. At least he's not feeling especially brave in this situation. God knows this about Joshua. And so to establish Joshua as the leader of his people, as the leader of the next chapter of Israel's story, the God of Israel commissions Joshua with these words, these words that are familiar to many of us. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. 
That phrase, in fact, shows up several times just in the few, verse, few first verses of Joshua chapter 1. So it kind of gets you thinking, what does it mean to be strong and courageous? Is this just some kind of thin sort of motivational speech from God? Be strong and courageous because it's not going to go well for you. No. What does God mean by this? It doesn't mean that Joshua is just supposed to work harder and sort of roll up his sleeves and kind of like Hollywood style, get a couple of machine guns and just go in there and take out everybody by himself and just be the hero. It's not. God's idea of courage is so different from Hollywood's idea of courage. So different from the idea that most of us have. And we see what God means by courage in these two verses just prior to the one that we heard read this morning. Listen to 7 and 8. Be careful to obey. This is God talking to Joshua. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So here's what God means by courage. It's going to sting a little bit. At least it does for me. God equates courage with obedience. To be courageous means to obey. To do what God asks to be done. To trust him. That's, that's, what me, that's what God means by obey. Trust me. Trust me. Courage equals obedience. And, and I don't know where you grew up, but since I grew up in this country, obey is kind of a bad word. Oh, who am I supposed to be expected to obey? Right? A little bit of sass there. You're welcome. Like, who tells me what to do? Like, doesn't that feel constricting, confining? Like, oh, you know better than I do what to... Obey can be this, this kind of nasty word. That's why what God intends, what he's trying to communicate to them and, and to us is trust me. Trust me. You see, courage doesn't come from our abilities. Confidence might come from our abilities, and that's okay. Courage doesn't come from our resources. Some confidence might come from the things that we have. That's okay. But courage doesn't even require confidence. In fact, courage is not a feeling at all. You never feel courageous. You will never feel courageous. That's the good news. You're not going to feel courageous. In fact, anything that requires courage probably means you're going to be scared. There's going to be fear there. Some kind of risk will be involved. It's not going to feel courageous, but that's not what courage is anyway. Courage is simply an act of the will. It's just an act of the will. It's an action. And God says that to act courageously means to obey. Do what I say. Do what I say. Why? Because God is a control freak? This... This is hard to get our minds around because we have so many distorted images of God. But God is not a control freak. He is not trying to run everything and control everything. And if you want an example of this, just look at yourself. So he gave you all this power to create, 
to do good things, to mess up his world. He's not a control freak. The reason he says do this and don't do this, the reason he wants us to live the way that he says is best to live is because he knows the very best way to live. It's just as simple as that. He's saying, I know the best way to live. If you avoid this and if you do these things, you will experience that life that you're always chasing after. The stuff that you're trying to fill up with, with more stuff, more accomplishments, more relationships, all, all of that will be found if you do what I say. He's not trying to control you. He's trying to give you more life. So God asks us to obey. Now God made Joshua to lead his people. But here's the truth for every person who's hearing these words right now. God made you to lead as well. No matter how small that sphere of influence feels to you, if your heart is currently beating, if you're currently breathing, you're made to lead in some way. No matter how much or how little money you have right now, you are made to lead. No matter what kind of grades you get, what kind of car you drive, what your social media clout is, whether you rent or you own, whether you're good-looking enough, whether you have any rewards on your shelf, whether you're crystal clear about the goals that you have for your life and you're moving toward them, or you have no idea where you're going in life and just feel like you're drifting and wasting your potential. None of those things, none of those things can stand in the way of God accomplishing his purposes for you. Even if your body's not working the way you want it to be, even if you're confined to a bed, that does not at all stand in the way of what God wants to do. Only one thing can stand in the way. Not trusting that God is as good as he says he is. That's the one thing that can mess it all up. And don't we know that by experience? Not trusting that God is as good as he says he is. Living as though it's all up to us. It's all up to me. That's the stuff that can stand in our way and, and always does. The, the simple definition of that is, is sin. That's all sin is. It's like, I, I don't think God is as good as he says he is, so I'm going to take this one on my own. So let me kind of wrap up with one more question. Where do you need the courage to trust God? To trust that God is as good as he says it is, as he says he is. Where do you need that kind of courage? In that relationship, in that job, in that lack of something, in that health issue, where do you need the courage to continue to do what he says, even though everything around you says, this, is, uh, this isn't working. This is not a good, like you should start trying to figure this out yourself. You should take those reins back. Where do you need that courage to trust him with every relationship, every doubt, every fear, every loss, every single twist in the story that is your life? Where do you need that courage to act on the goodness of God? See, Joshua's courage, his just simple like, I don't feel this, but I'm going to do this. His simple obedience to God 
led this entire nation into the promised land. So this next chapter of the great rescue mission that God was working through, this next story of Israel's, next chapter of Israel's story. So that was Joshua's story. What might your courage do? What might your courage do? What if you really took God seriously and, and decided that he was as good as he says he is, and so he could be trusted, and so I am going to do these things. I am going to avoid these things. What might your courage do to change your life and change lives all around you? And we can get so stuck on this and start to get worried and start to think, well, you know, I don't know what God's will is, and I, should I do this or should I do that? And it's like we've got this thing called the Bible. And there's all kinds of stuff in there that you could just like sort of grab onto one of these key truths that have been so important to Christians throughout millennia and do those things. You might find some change. Like what if you just kind of focused on what it means to love your enemy? All right, so you don't know everything about your future. Yes, you're in good company. Love your enemy. What are you going to do with that one? Because that could change your life. That could change the world. You could build a whole life around that. What about serve the poor? Love one another. It's, it's not complicated. It's hard. Of course it's hard. But start with one of these and see what happens. See, God comes to us today uh, once more, and he, he reminds us. He reminds us in so many ways. And Karen, your music was one of those ways that he reminded me this morning. How good he is and how much he can be trusted. He can be trusted with everything. Every doubt, every fear, every relationship, everything that has a big question mark over it right now. He can be trusted because he is good. So we don't have to be afraid. So be strong and courageous. Do not fear. Do not be discouraged. God will be with you wherever you go because he is just that good. So Jesus, as best we can, uh, not feeling particularly brave, but certainly wanting more of that life that you offer, we say yes to you once again. And God, give us that courage in that particular area of our life where we would rather avoid, where we would rather numb out, where we would rather attack. Give us courage. Pray especially that you would give us a clear picture of just how good you are and that we would meditate on that day and night. That would be right on our lips, right at the front of our minds. We are your people. So we pray this together as your people. In Jesus' name, amen.